heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Foreign policy in the United States is clearly changing under the current administration, for sure. Uh, it's sort of like now the Biden regime there is taking a back seat. Uh, although they talk a big game, but you know, you can't keep just talking and you can't be drawing those red lines everywhere if you don't follow through. And we're seeing uh, really a, a, a debacle, a fiasco on the world stage of foreign policy that I think is going to play out in significant ways, uh, surely these next couple of years, because let's face it, uh, you know, we, we have another three plus years of some sort of this administration, whether it's still Biden at the helm or Harris or um, somebody to be named later. I don't really know what to say to you there. But before the next general election, there's a there, there's a lot that's going to happen. So foreign policy is going to be different. The way we play it out there, the way our relationship with the military, the generals, what's taking place. And, and so this this really goes way beyond Afghanistan at this point. OK, today uh, I want to have a real interesting talk with you about uh, Iran. And we don't talk enough about that because, again, the media is a one trick pony. That's all they do. They get on a story and they beat it to death. And of course, that's been COVID. That's the story they've been beaten to death. And, and naturally, they're all too happy to get off of Afghanistan because it doesn't make the administration look good. It doesn't put them in a good light. So you're seeing all the media play to the tune. It's what they do. They're like an orchestra. They play right to what the administration wants. But my fellow Americans, that's how this administration came to power to begin with was through the media. Let's be clear. So you're, you know, you're seeing that play out right now with the way they'll drop this story and go back to COVID. COVID has been their go-to story all the way through here. That's how the administration came to power, and it's how they're still seeking and seizing the power. They're still seizing it down. They're batting the hatches, as you call it, with a lot of the power uh, struggles we're having with uh, spending and debts and all kinds of things in Washington. Um, let's get back to Iran and talk about some interesting things. Now, let's understand a couple of things here. Iran is population about 85 million. Okay, so that gives you a scope of what this country looks like in size and scope. Uh, still a lot of people for a, for a land base of the size that it is. But here's what's interesting. About 58 million of those 85, just reverse the five and the eight, right? So about 58 million. So that's about to almost 70% are below the age of 42 years old, okay? So that's a young country. And many of these, you know, they, they've not grow, they didn't grow up uh, in a lot of the, um, with a lot of those traditions and the, uh, uh, the tyrannical nature of what Iran had come through back in the revolution of the 78, 79. Uh, so this is a whole new breed of people. And, you know, we've talked about this before. And I, you know, there's a gut feeling I've had all the way along for the last many years of the people of Iran. There's something there. There's a spark of some sort with those people. It's a, it's a gut feeling, call it, but there's a lot of evidence to back it up as well. So I would suggest to you today 
the turning point of the Middle East could very well center on the, on the Iranian people. Now, I say that you might be scratching your head a little bit, saying, what does that really mean? Well, I'll go one step further, and I'll say to you this, and this is a big statement. Now, it's a bold statement. Iran could very well help Christianity defeat Islam. Now, many people would hear that statement and they would begin to question back to, is this a religious war or is Christianity and Islam at odds with each other or a fighting? And that really is, that's a bit of an oxymoron statement for many of us, isn't it? But yet, there are a lot of people in, that are out there teaching this stuff who would suggest that these ways of life, these ideologies, if you will, can live in peace and that there's nothing further from the truth, quite frankly. So, you know, everything's political, everything's religious, everything, right? I mean, it always comes back to that, but, you know, I just want you to understand when you start talking about Christianity and Islam, and then, you, well, it's a war on religion, it's a war on ideology, and, you know, and you hear our political leaders often, and surely the current administration and all the way back through Obama and, and many others in Washington, uh, in the political light would suggest that, yeah, yeah, it's just another form of a religion and they can surely live in peace. The problem with all that, my friends, is the evidence says differently. It, you know, I'm not trying to be a smart guy or a wise guy here, but it says differently. It, it doesn't compute really. And I don't see how that can happen when the marching orders of that ideology is death. That doesn't exactly compute in the Christian world, does it? I mean, we live for different reasons. Christians do. But it surely isn't for death specifically. But that gets in a whole bunch of discussion between God and, and Allah. And the, that argument, you know, of, uh, many people would argue they're one of the same. And of course, we know different, right? Within Iran right now in the Middle East, things have been real quiet there because the media is not really focusing on a lot of these other world stories, right? I mean, you agree with that. And you see, things have been quiet in Israel as well, but Israel has been really uh, sidestepped with COVID. They've had a lot of COVID challenges. When everybody thought they had it licked, they really didn't have it licked. Things have fallen apart there, basically, under that the COVID guys. And of course, they had all the election problems with Netanyahu and all of that. All of that really sort of changed the focus in Israel. But what hasn't changed the focus is this. Iran is their enemy. Make no mistake about it. Uh, you know, Israel and Iran, you're talking that is salt and pepper, my friends. That's salt and pepper. Now, here's the thing. There also is not a lot of talk about. And anytime there's not a lot of talk, I get nervous because it tells me that our eye is probably not on the ball. And you know, we're gonna get caught again with our, our pants down around our ankles, bare ass in the woods, in other words, yeah? Well, that's what worries me the most. Just like that happened in 9-11 when we were shocked as, oh my God, they did what? Flew those planes right into those buildings? How the hell did that happen? Well, we taught them how to do that right here on, on our soil. That's how we did it. Hmm, yeah. Right. But here's the thing with Iran. How about a nuclear Iran? You're not hearing much about that, are you, right now? So what happens there? And then this whole thing about, you know, I, I have to tell you truthfully that I, I was sort of blown away with uh, 
with uh, one of our uh, esteemed uh, analysts here and uh, somebody who's always has his hand on the trigger, IQ Al-Razuli. You know, he had an article just recently and we were talking about Iran and I've never heard him. That, it, that was a real eye opener for me, this particular article, because it it really painted a different picture for what a lot of us thought with Iran and what could possibly happen, you know, and so. I, I, it it just it was a shocker to hear him think that the the repositioning of uh, what could possibly happen in Iran with Christianity and Islam, and more so the Iranian people, which I have had a very interesting feeling on for some time. Uh, that article is Iran's Bruin volcano has world shattering implications. That's that's quite a mouthful, but it is accurate here. IQ Al-Razuli joins me here on The Voice of a Nation. IQ is a foreign affairs analyst. He's an Iraqi exile, Arabic speaker, scholar, author. He's a weekly writer here at America Out Loud, a commentator, a voice that looks at world affairs and puts it in perspective. So IQ, let's, uh, let's peel this onion now in a very interesting way so we can educate folks. And want to start with the, the quietness, I find, of the Middle East right now and Israel-Iran politics. The, but let's talk about, let's get an update from you as to what you see or what the latest is with a nuclear Iran. Again, very quiet. What's happening right now and what kind of progress are they making towards that end? The latest reports from Israel is that the Iranians within one month will have enough material for an atom bomb. Within one month. So one we're not talking about years, we're talking about a few weeks. Wow. I mean, listen, what you say right there stops me in my tracks. That's an OMG statement. I mean, I haven't heard that. You're talking one month? One month. Not this is. By the way, when I tell you these things, they're not my opinions. Understood. Yeah. These are the reports coming from Israel, from their military, from the intelligence. And mm. everybody knows their intelligence is second to none in the world, literally second to none. So how's Israel preparing for this or what's happening? I mean, well, yeah, but let me say, you said to me right along all the way, and this is interesting now. Hold on now. This this changes my mind. This 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 is a curveball because here's the deal, IQ. You've always said to me that Israel would never let that happen, that as soon as they're on the threshold of that, uh, X would happen. So what does that look like, please? It looks like there would be an attack very soon. They've been preparing for this for decades. Forget about decades. In the last five years, definitely, they've been preparing for it. Whether they will act or not is another story. I mean, fr from every indication they ever said, from, whether it was the opposition party or Netanyahu, they said Iran will never be allowed to have an atom bomb because their intention is to destroy Israel. Israel is a product of literally genocide, both in Europe and in the Middle East. So the Israeli people will be tuned in and they understand they have to go to war. They will go to war. Total or not is irrelevant. They will go to war. Mm -hmm. Whether yeah. Biden 
wakes up or not, whether Europeans wake up, they are not waking up, by the way. The Europeans and the Americans yeah. are not waking up. Yeah, they're not going to wake up. Let me let me stop you there a moment. You uh, Listen, let's be very clear. They're not going to wake up. As I just said, you heard me in the monologue there that this administration is going to be here, some form of it anyways, whether you like it, love it or leave it, uh, for the next three plus years. That means foreign policy is in the toilet here. That's what that means. If you like what happened in Afghanistan, you'll love the next three and a half years. If you don't, you bet you're in for a rude awakening. So let me ask you this. Let's stay on what you say there. What does, let's say this conflict, now let's just speculate here a moment, please, with your experience and knowledge. So let's say that month happens, this nuclear Iran. So what, and back to Israel and Iran, what does a conflict, I, and I don't really know this, and I, I'm hoping you do, what does a conflict really look like in real world terms of Israel and Iran, that could be a month or six months from now. What does that look like? Well, it looks less than six months. Look, Israel has the capacity and the ability to use her missiles from uh, submarines. People overlook this all the time. She does not have to fly airplanes from Israel all the way to Iran. That is not only suicidal, it's extremely difficult. They can use cruise missiles, of course, but somewhat, many of them will be shot down. But if they use their capacities in the submarines that they have bought five of them, I think, for, uh, as far as I remember now, it's five of them from uh, Germany. They have upgraded them to carry cruise missiles. And if you go to the Gulf, the Arabian Gulf or the Persian Gulf, whatever you want to call it, the missiles will only have to travel literally 100 miles maximum. It's not 700 miles or 1,000 miles. Mm -hmm. They also have the capacity to attack Iran from Azerbaijan. It's another Muslim country, but it's, it's just, they are the enemies of the Iranians, the Azeris. There are more Azeris in Iran than there are in Azerbaijan. Wow. Uh, you, you read my article, it says that also in the previous article mm -hmm. about the uh, different nationalities. So these Azeris, they don't want to be part of Iran. They want to join their own brothers and sisters in a bigger state of Azerbaijan. And the Iranians, of course, would not allow it because that means they take a, a huge chunk of land. And if they do that with the Azeris, the Baluchis want to do the same. And the other groups, the Kurds, they want to do the same. So Iran would be fragmented. That's why the Ayatollahs have a huge problem on their hand. It's not also only the social problem. It's the ethnic problem. Mm -hmm. And now they have the new generation, as, we, as you mentioned, who are for, up to the age of 42. They've never known anything except the terror regime of Iran of the Ayatollahs. And these people don't like that. They don't want it, correct? They hate it. Look, mm -hmm. they have access to the West. Yeah. They have uh, Zoom, they have uh, Twitter, they have everything. They, they know what's happening in the West. And they were Westernized under the Shah. People forget that. Mm -hmm. Women in Iran under the Shah dressed in the most beautiful, the latest fashions of Europe. Yeah. The same thing with the men. They worked with the men in the universities. They were exactly equal in education, in equal in the businesses. They were equal 
in everywhere they were equal. But that all changed after the, after the Islamic revolution there. But it was, you see, what people don't seem to understand is this. Okay. Whenever Muslim states do not impose Sharia, you have excellence. The UAE is the greatest example. United Arab Emirates. They are the only Muslim country who has been able to send a spaceship to Mars. Can you imagine that? No other country, no other Muslim country was able to do that. With hundreds of billions of dollars in Saudi Arabia or Pakistan, none of them are able to do that because they, they lose 50% of the population, which is a female population. People forget these things. They, you know, they, I'm glad you just said that because you're right. The, the United States, I believe it was uh, China and the UAE, uh, were all had uh, 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 ships going to um, spaceships going to Mars, right? Absolutely, but it's an amazing achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. People don't seem to understand that it's an achievement mm -hmm. of colossal dimensions, because um, United Arab Emirates is a small entity. Right. Israel is a small entity, but these two nations, one Jewish, one Muslim, the, the Muslim one does not impose Sharia. Uh -huh. They excel. The minute you impose Sharia, it's darkness for everybody. Mm. This is why you have 57 or 56 now Muslim majority states who are dysfunctional, completely, utterly dysfunctional. Mm. Iran is one of them. Iran under the Ayatollahs is one of them. Okay. So what I was getting at in my article is that the new generation hates Islam. Mm -hmm. So where do they turn to? You won't believe it, but it's true. They turn to Christianity. Why Christianity? Why not Buddhism? Why not Judaism? Why not Hinduism? Simple. Because in the Quran, Jesus and Mary are considered Muslims. You can laugh, you can joke about it, but then you have, you see, when people use their own Western mind, instead of putting their mind in the Muslim mind, they lose the game. You can't win if you use Western No, mind. that's interesting, that statement. Slow it down just a little bit here, but, you're, but in the Quran, and, uh, and I forgot that, but yes, I, I absolutely heard that. We talked about it before, but Jesus and Mary are saying are, they're considered the Muslims, and that's, that's an interesting point. And you're saying that would be uh, sort of an incentive that they might look at Christianity. Not that they are looking at Christianity. Okay. Hundreds of thousands of young men and women in Iran, as we are speaking, have turned to Christianity. They have small uh, gatherings of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. Right. They create churches and they read the gospels. They read. The All right. So if this is the case, then these people, and let me just uh, put this out here now. These people, I'm guessing, IQ. Are not uh, they don't look at Christianity as the enemy specifically. Th this is me talking out, but you tell me. I'm thinking they don't see it as quite the enemy then, with what you put out there and the way they're doing this. So they look at it because with with Christianity they look at that where they don't have to do Sharia, they don't have to dress the way that they dress, they don't have all of the uh, the horrible restrictions and the hostilities toward women that is so egregious, which we're seeing play out in Afghanistan right now, the Taliban. So they look at this as a, as an acceptable, uh, well, whatever, ideology, religion, whatever you, right? Is that correct? Absolutely correct. But, but it's reasonable for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Why would a woman under Sharia, under Sharia, a woman is nothing more than a domestic animal. 
I want Americans to understand that. <clears throat> get it through your thick head. I really, I really mean a thick head because you're listening to these articles. You're reading my articles. You you've been listening to my talk shows, and thousand. My my talk show with you today is one thousand eight hundred forty-eight. Wow. Wow. Yes, 1,848. All right. I want to come back to the, I, I made a few notes from your previous things about Sharia. I do want to share with listeners, but uh, but not now. I want to come back to that. And I, I, I do have a few things because I do want to educate folks as to what we're talking about. But I want to stay on that war a moment. I want to go back just a little bit. And I want to ask you something here. Back to the, what you had just laid out with the, with the, uh, the, the equipment and, and the military that Israel has. And we're talking about Israel and Iran now. I want to stay on task with that. So what I'm asking now is this, in, in your mind, in your opinion, what would be the goal of Israel at that point? Let's say the attack happens because, again, they have the nuclear weapon. They're on the verge of having that. And obviously, and just so listeners understand, IQ, and you tell me if this is right or wrong, but we've always understood throughout many, 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 many years, we've always understood that once Iran had the nuclear capabilities and the mechanism for attack, they would absolutely use it without hesitation, we understand, to be able to cause as much fatal harm to the state of Israel that they could possibly do with a nuclear attack to kill as many millions of people and put them out of their misery. If that's accurate with what I say there, then in a, in, in, in you tell me in a moment if that's accurate or not, then where does Israel go with this attack? And what I mean is, is it to just wound or hurt the regime in the Iran? Is it to put them out of their misery? Is it to remove them? Is it an all-out blitz? I mean, what does that look like, the end result of that conflict, please? Okay. First of all, it's not Israel's perception that they want to be annihilated. It is the Iranians who have been repeatedly since 1979 telling the Israelis, we shall annihilate you. We shall take you off the face of the earth. So when somebody keeps telling you he's going to kill you, take him seriously. And the Israelis now take everybody like that seriously because they learned from Hitler. He told them he will, what he will do to them. They didn't believe him. They made a mistake. All what Israel wants to do is not to kill Iranians. That's not their objective. Killing human beings who are innocent is not their objective. Their objective is to destroy as much as possible of the capacity of Iran, both nuclear and missile, as much as possible. But they also know, by the way, you've got to remember that, that the Iranians have got Hezbollah in Lebanon. They have got Hamas in Gaza, who will shower Israel with tens of thousands of rockets. There will be enormous losses in Israel without atom bomb. There will be enormous losses in Israel. No question about it. Enormous destruction also in Israel. No question about it. I've always said, and the, unfortunately, the Israeli military and the government didn't do that. They should have been repeatedly telling the Israeli people that when we go to war, don't expect uh, the lack of uh, what you call it, death and destruction in your country. You have to accept that there will be enormous damage. They've got to prepare them mentally. It's a psychological warfare as well as a military warfare. Look, Churchill told the British people, we shall fight them. We shall, on the sea, on the 
shores in the cities, we shall never surrender. So he, he stealed the, the British people. It was an amazing achievement. Every nation in Europe was gone. They all submitted to Hitler. Only the British people stood in his way. It was a remarkable achievement, especially when America wasn't even involved. America got involved after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor on the 7th of December. So I've always said it, but nobody is doing it in Israel, which is unfortunate. You've got to steal the people. You've got to tell them the facts and reality of what's going to happen. There will be enormous destruction. How it will turn out, who will win, I honestly cannot answer. On a personal level, I'm talking personally, if I were, let's say, in commander-in-chief in Israel, mm -hmm. if I have to use tactical nuclear weapons, I will use every single one of them without batting an eyelid. Mm. I'm talking for myself. I'm not talking about it from anybody's point of view. Right. When somebody wants to exterminate my people, I will not allow them to do it. If I, because I'm not killing civilians. I'm not trying to kill cities and destroy cities. No. If I need to use tactical nuclear weapon against a target, which is military, I shall do it without hesitation. Yeah, well, especially if you're, uh, the way you've just described and painted the picture, if your country was at the kind of risk that you're speaking about right there, uh, you, you then have to weigh the odds. There's a couple of other things to consider here as well. And that is that, you know, I'm thinking as, as IQ is talking here, you know, what happens uh, with uh, the involvement? You know, where, where does America sit at this point? If you've got this destruction kind of going on here, where does America sit? You know, we've already painted the picture of foreign policy with the Biden administration, but now you're talking about a cataclysmic uh, sort of event, and you're talking about an event that could very well, um, you know, you, you think about the players out there, create a World War Three atmosphere for sure. Um, and so you have to then ask yourself, do the powers to be uh, the bigger countries, do they step back and just watch what happens with Israel and, uh, and um, you know, Iran in the Middle East? Or do they uh, go ahead and, uh, and, and is there involvement in that? And that's something I want to ask IQ on in just a moment here. But that, that's an interesting juxtaposition of things as you look at it. Now, what we're talking about right now is obviously a game changer. But let me say to you, as you hear IQ, we've been talking about this for years, this buildup. Now, when he says that, you know, we're not just given opinion or Israel with the statements coming out of Iran, let's be very clear. Iran's statements about wiping Israel off the map, that is an absolute fact, my fellow Americans. That's in the regular news sources. That's even in the corrupt media. Uh, years back, they couldn't hide that because it has been said uh, numerous times from Iran. So please understand, it's not speculation. It's not Israel's opinion. It's not anybody that's uh, uh, trying to add uh, hyperbole to the conversation. It's a cold stone fact. Okay, all right. So if you've got that there, and you say, well, now compute that a moment. What does that mean? Then you say, some people would argue, say, well, but do you think they would be that stupid? Well, my fellow Americans, when your ideology 
gives you the permission and the blessing to kill as many people as you like, and it will send you to some form of their heaven uh, where you can meet the virgins and have a time of your life after death, well, then that kind of changes the perspective a little bit, doesn't it? Now, that ideology would be called Islam. You see, that's where things get a little screwy. And a lot of people can't wrap their mind around that. They can't, what are you talking about? Because they want to go back. Well, that's, uh, you know, like uh, even Bush said back at 9-11. Well, that's a religion of peace. I mean, these people have rocks in their heads. These people have never even read or looked at the Quran and know what the hell it is. But they're taking the word. And, you know, when they use peace, they use the word peace in a different, yeah, they're looking for peace. You know, the leaders in Islam and all that. But it's their version of peace where the rest of us are dead. So, I mean, listen, I'm just putting it out there as straight as I can. Now, you know, you can agree or disagree with all that, but that's kind of what we're looking at here with this. So that makes the positioning of what's happening in Iran very, very strategic. And, you know, this buildup of the possibility of a nuclear weapon. And again, oh, my golly, it brings it all the way back to uh, the Obama era and what he was up to. And, you know, that whole Iran agreement. Uh, right, the nuclear agreement. And, you know, it's a free pass, uh, kind of a pass go and collect as much as you can to build your nuclear arsenal. And now you've got a regime in there that is completely ass backwards in foreign policy uh, that you have to begin to question. Just look at what they just did in Afghanistan. They empowered the enemy. They gave them all of our equipment, billions and billions and tens of billions of dollars of our equipment pulled out of the most strategic forces that we needed in the world that China will probably eat and suck down whole now. And, and everybody's scratching their heads and there's congressional hearings going on and all this nonsense saying, well, what happened? Oh my God, this is the biggest blunder since, well, you went, well, actually, probably historically, it's never happened before. And if they can do that there, after 20 years of blood, sweat, treasure, everything that's happened in, in Afghanistan, what do you think they can do on the other side of the globe here, right? Where can they do, uh, or, you know, really think about it. I mean, it, it's, it's unfathomable what we're dealing with here now and, what, and what's going to happen. And, you know, one last thing. We think we've been through a tough couple of years here. Oh, surely. We think, you know, with all of this, we've been through a really tough couple of years with the whole COVID thing, everything that happened with the election debacle and everything right now with uh, Afghanistan. It's one firestorm after the next. Well, I got news for you, my fellow Americans. My fellow Americans, if you think that's tough, when do you see what happens next with this next chapter? We'll put all that uh, as just an appetizer for what would have happened next. That's kind of where we find ourselves. And we've been ringing the warning bells of all of this. And again, it's not hyperbole. It's not just blowing smoke or, you know, trying to scream on the mountaintops. It's none of that. It's a reality of what we're dealing with here that a lot of people don't want to talk about because a lot of people don't want the truth. They live in a sugar-coated world and they follow the media and the rest of the buffoons and the garbage they're selling. And then there's no sense of truth. That's all it is. I don't live in theories and conspiracy theories and that's that's not where i live you know that about me i live in the real world i look at the data the facts and give you an an honest analyzation of what we're dealing with here the truth it can hurt can hurt a great deal but it, it could also be our salvation to understand what we're dealing with what's what is that truth and 
And uh, what can we do about it? Prepare ourselves, in other words. Oh, my golly, there's a lot of problems in the world, I'll tell you. We think we've got problems now. It's, it's quite worrisome what could possibly happen next. Well, throughout all of that, uh, we're going to take a pause here and, uh, and resume here with IQ Al Rizzuli. What a, a just a really fascinating a topic, a conversation. It gets your mind moving, doesn't it? It does me for sure. And you're thinking about all the possibilities. Uh, very strategic conversation. Uh, let me also remind you to go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud. I talk to you all the time about this because it is an amazing group of products and an amazing company, actually. Uh, and they have a daily regimen. You know, it's it's not the old vitamins where you take the A, the D, and it's a little pill form. No, it's all gel form. So it gets into your system, into the health of your cells. I highly, highly recommend it. I've been taking it for three and a half years, uh, and uh, it's a terrific product. Uh, we're going to take a pause here now. We'll be back with IQL Razuli. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at liberty at americaoutloud.com. Liberty at americaoutloud.com. Now we join you back here on The Voice of a Nation. It is yours truly here, Malcolm Out Loud, and we're joined here with IQ Al Rizzuli. Talk big topic today, uh, talking about uh, Iran, Middle East politics, uh, uh, really the, I, I say the geopolitical realignment of uh, what's happening in the world right now. Uh, you know, the implications of what took place in the world of terror and the war on terror from the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, and then you bring in ISIS to the combination. You know, uh, 
the, the mountains of Afghanistan and Al-Qaeda and Taliban are directly linked to the lunatics in the Middle East. Uh, and you've got a whole faction of power here happening. Not to mention North Korea. You see, they're getting empowered lately, firing off missiles toward Japan and in the water and ocean and missiles that could reach it. And this is what's happening with the geopolitical realignment. The problem is you've got here, uh, you know, the, the, the Biden cabal, uh, which, uh, you know, if you think the domestic policies suck and you don't like the uh, inflation, and you don't like what's happening here domestically, well, uh, just think about what you've just seen in, in Afghanistan and what their foreign policy looks like moving forward here. IQ, I asked before the pause what would happen with the conflict of Israel and Iran. So let's set the table for what you laid out there. You mentioned the equipment, Israel, we got it, what they would strike. You, you also, and I love the way you covered that and explained that, listen, there would be a lot of casualties and damage in Israel, let's be clear, because of the capabilities of what Israel, uh, of Iran, what they have now with their nuclear capabilities that they're on the cusp of now enacting. Um, and so you'd have this major confrontation. What does that look like on the world scale here? And how does the Biden uh, regime, uh, 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 how do they handle things, not to mention the rest of the players with China, Russia, Europe, but specifically, let's start with the Biden. What happens with the rest of the world with this sort of a conflict? First of all, I would like Americans to understand one thing. Throughout 72, 73 years of Israel's existence, they never ever asked America to defend them. Not a single American ever died in defense of Israel. Tens of thousands of Americans and tens of thousands of Americans died or got wounded in either a defense of Muslims and Arabs against other Muslims and Arabs. So let's put it in picture. Israel will not ask anybody to defend her, even if she's failing. If she fails, it's because of her own doing. She can't because she's not fighting enough or not fighting hard enough. They will not ask Biden for anything except to keep out of the way or to support her in the United Nations. Israel will take care of her own defense. She has always done it and she will always do it. As I said, no American ever died or was requested to die on behalf of Israel. Other people who will get involved, we have no idea. They might not, in fact. They might leave it to the Israelis and the Iranians to sort it out between the two of them. Why should anybody interfere? In fact, why? No reason, none. There's no advantage for America to interfere or for Europe. And in fact, the Europeans will not even give a damn if Israel fails. They don't care. They, they pretend they have regrets about the Holocaust. That's all bullcrap. They don't have any regrets because they have been supporting the Palestinians and Hamas with hundreds of millions of dollars for the last 73 years. So if you can... If you, they are willing to support them financially and politically, uh, all the hogwash about they, they regret what happened in the Holocaust is forget it. doesn't mean anything. My bottom line is simple. Israel will do it all by herself. And America shouldn't interfere. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I and I I, I was thinking of that, and that you, it makes sense what you're saying. They're probably going to let both of these powers duke it out, even though the the moment will not be lost on anybody, and the casualties and the damage from all of it happens. Now, prior to this, and prior talks over the many years, you've indicated to me, or you felt that Israel, like as you just said, would handle their own affairs and would handle it gracefully that way, and that they would probably be the superior and win, that they, they would do damage to Iran and that would be that. Today, I'm not hearing that with you, but I think the deciding factor I'm guessing here now is because of the threshold of the nuclear capabilities of an Iran. That's, yeah. the, game, that's the game changer here, isn't it, IQ? Absolutely, because they already have the missiles. All yeah. they have to do is put the bomb on the missile. They have mm. the missile. They have the ability to destroy Israel by missile, as long, but they don't have the nuclear weapon to go on top of it. So that's why it. hasn't Iran struck already? Uh, why has hold on? No, not that's why hasn't Israel struck already? Because you've always said to me over the years that it, they would never allow them to get a nuclear weapon is what we've said. That that's that's for sure, and that they would take them out or do something prior to that. But you're not saying that now. Why? No, no, I didn't. I never changed my mind. They haven't got the bomb. They are having the bomb. Yeah, but now. if they're a month out or two months out or three months out, that's you might as well say they got the bomb. As you say, they're on the threshold no, of it. Yeah. You, you've always indicated before that they would they would never get it because they would take them out before. So why isn't Israel striking back? And let's also not forget one other thing, please, IQ. Netanyahu is not in power anymore. That's also an, a disadvantage. That's also a disadvantage because yeah, when Netanyahu was in power, the Iranians in you, there is no chance in hell. If he, they are, if they are one month away, that Israel will not attack immediately. I can't, I can't answer what Israeli new government is thinking. But look at your government now. When you have the chief of, of combined forces, Mili, being treasonous by co calling the Chinese counterpart and telling him that if Trump goes rogue and attacks China, he will tell them. I can't believe of such a treasonous act, such a magnitude of treasonous act. So what you have now, you don't have only a woke uh, new generation of Americans who are completely and utterly out of touch with reality, and they hate America, the very country we gave them the, the, the life that they have. Now you have a woke and treasonous combined chief of staff if it's true we don't know even trump said he doesn't believe that Woodward is telling the truth but there must be a kernel somewhere there must be something in there what do you right think? right right well there's your your point is well taken uh usually things can be out of context but there's usually a kernel of something that was done or said um it's hard to say but i will say this the instigator in what you're talking about, and I, and I know we're digressing here, but the instigator in that whole bit you just said is uh, Nancy Pelosi. She's the one who rang the bell and got loud and encouraged Millie. In fact, she's the one who initiated Millie and others and said, well, Trump is a madman that's got to be taken down. I mean, these people, this was complete tyranny and treason. These people should all be arrested and in prison. Let's be very clear, the whole damn host of them. But yet here they are running the government now and running the country. So, you know, I mean, it, it stretches the mind here, what we're talking about. 
But, you know, yeah, I think they definitely had it out. They didn't trust Trump. They didn't like him. Clearly, they hated him. They wanted him out of there. So, no, I think it's well said that something happened here. And I don't trust Milley for a moment, as well as a lot of these military woke generals and the rest of them. The military has been it's become a fantasy land now. And I'm not talking about the troops. I'm talking about the powers to be and what's happening here. And there was a lot of there'll be a lot more said about this in the future because there was actually talk about a coup with the military and the, and President Trump and all that. And that's another conversation for another day. But here's the thing, IQ. Let's come back to. All right. There's a couple of things that we need to do here now uh, that we need to thread this needle carefully. All right, let's put that aside over there, this Israel and Iran uh, war, conflict, whatever. And, and I'm glad we just talked about that and where the world is in this and your position of the Europeans and all of that with the Palestinians and, uh, you know, all of that. That's very well said, very well said, their position and who they support and they don't really give a damn about Israel. I get it. I get it. That brings back to the whole fight of the ideology as well of Christianity. And quite frankly, how a lot of these European countries have screwed up their own countries. Uh, They've gone to hell in a handbag themselves and they'll never be the same. In fact, a lot of these countries we're talking about right now will probably be taken over themselves. Uh, Their future is very bleak uh, in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Am I right or wrong? 30 years maximum. Yeah. Literally, 30 years maximum. These are not my figures. That's, these are their own figures. Because the population of the Muslims is quadrupled the number of people who are born from Christian people. Four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So demographically, they will inundate them. Yeah. They flood them. That's excluding the illegals who are coming in every single day, thousands of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what you're spelling out, if everybody's following this now, is really a pretty bleak story. I mean, this is horrific what we're dealing it with is, here. It is, it is, it is horrific. It is, it's really unbelievably horrific. And, and we've been talking, and my friends, again, I mean, I, I can honestly say to you, and IQ, I imagine you would probably mimic what I say here, but I, as crazy as this says, what we're talking about right now, none of it shocks me. Does it shock you? Not at all. We, I've been discussing this with you yep, for, yep. what, five, six years? Many years. I've been on radio for 12 years. That's right. I've been saying this 12 years ago, not yesterday. Yeah. Not yeah. A, a year ago. 12 years ago, I've been saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. I've been warning people. I talked about demography. I talked about the number of children born in Western societies, which are below the reprodu- reproduction, below yeah, yeah. Uh, recreating a society. Okay. All right. Well, you and I have for sure. We've done it for the full existence of America a lot, five years, but it actually goes back before that. You and I have been talking about this for probably about, it's eight or nine years for sure total. I mean, it's, Correct. it's not, yeah, Correct. because I, I was doing, remember the TV back then, the television, Malcolm Out Loud, all that. Remember that, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we have a history of this. It's coming close to it's nine, it's probably over nine years now. It's been a while. And, you know, time moves so quickly, sometimes we forget. All right, coming back to this here now, this is important what I want to talk about next year, um, because you lay out some really compelling arguments in this Iran's Bruin volcano has world shattering implications. So we, so I ask you right now, let's put the nature of what we just talked about, the geopolitical realignment and that potential war of Israel and Iran over here to the side. Now let's go back to the Iranian people. Let's talk about, um, you know, the possibilities here 
as I said early on, you have this movement in Iran that is very, very encouraging. Uh, since the Iranian revolution back in 1979 and the geopolitical realignment that rechanged the world politics at that point and what took place, now you come out with these other interesting things. And this is an interesting piece of the conversation. And you say in your article this, and, and I want to I want to lay this out now and I want to ask you, IQ, how does this change this possible conflict over here and what really happens? Because the Iranian people, by, by far and large, as we've already stated, are younger people and are very good people with totally different views than the than the crazy people who are running the ship there. And you say here in your words, in your piece, you say Christianity is flourishing. And the implications are potentially very profound and world shattering. Now, that is your statement. And that gives me a jump in my step when I hear this. And you then say most of the information is coming directly from Muslims who have apostatized. Uh, le- you know, they left Islam, clearly, uh, from Arabic and Farsi media and Western politicians from Christian agencies in Iran, the Middle East and the West. It's fascinating. You say what has happened in Iran today is an incredible repeat performance of how Christianity spread under the Roman pagan rule uh, by clandestine marvel using the practice of what sometimes is called Muslim background believers, MBBs. I mean, your piece really got me, it got my mind and brain like on overtime. Talk to me what we're dealing with here now on the ground with the Iranian people. What could, how does that play in with a takeover of the Iranian leadership that could change all of what we just talked about? Of all the people who were conquered by the Arabs, the least Islamized people are the Iranian people. Amazing. They haven't been Arabized. They kept their traditions. They kept their language. And they kept their history. That's the most important thing. They kept their history. They are Muslims. Yes. Okay. But they became Muslims through the sword. Not because somebody loves it and became Muslim. The Iranian authorities consider the desertion from Islam to Jesus as an extremely deleterious item that must be totally repressed by using their usual instruments of terror and violence. There's no question about it. They're doing that. But there's absolutely no question that many hundreds of thousands of young Iranians, both men and women, by remember, they are both men and women because under Christianity, they're equal. That's so See, important. That, that was the game changer in this last piece absolutely. where you, yes. you blew my mind, though, because you've always said before, traditionally with that IQ, you've said, well, no. The Muslim and the Islam and that ideology is 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 a, is a cancer of the ideology itself. And if you are a Muslim, you got to come. You've got to confine to that and the Sharia law and all that. But now you're changing that a little bit. I'm, I'm not changing myself. Mm-hmm. I said when these people turn to Christianity, right, men and women are equal. But if they continue to be Muslims, that will never happen. It's impossible. Right. I love what you're saying there. Let me say that. Uh, just let me say for all of our listeners. From my my mouth to your ears to God's ears, men and women are equal, absolutely. And on some days, the women can actually surpass the men. How's that? I uh, agree with you. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Absolutely way. true. Better believe Again, it. Again, it's a fact. We don't deal except with facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you. All right, the consequences. Let's talk about consequences. You say in the piece this. Everybody hear me now. You say the consequences for the world will be enormous. 
because the collapse of Khamenei's regime would not only fundamentally alter the balance of power in the Middle East, it would also terminate the Islamist surge that Iranian revolutionaries initiated back in what I said, 79, 78, 79, yeah. and in the malignant historical cycle of Islamic terrorism that largely started in Iran. This is huge, what we're talking about right here. Yep. Because right. when, they, when these people take over the government and the takeover will be with a bloodbath, don't forget the, the mullahs and the ayatollahs are not going to give up their power, their power without a bloodbath. Right. So the Iranian people have to use a bloodbath to take back their own land, their own civilization, their own freedom. Right. And when they take over, these young people are not going to turn to Sharia. They will most definitely go and have a republic, which is, or a democracy, a, a true democracy. Don't forget, in Christianity, most of the Christian states are democratic. Mm -hmm. You show me a Christian state which is not democratic. All right. In Europe, doesn't exist. In America, doesn't exist. Right. Even right. in Latin America. Here's the, here's the big moment. Here's the big drum roll. I got to get to it now. Here's, this is really important. I mean, what you say and this piece you have, I, is, I mean, it really gives me hope and encouragement of things for a lot of reasons. But, but here's what I want to ask you. Now, I want to bring that forward back to the Iran-Israel conflict, where the world is, what happens, the nuclear part, all of that, where we're on the doorstep. We have a horrible administration of foreign policy and power here in the West now. Uh, so what I ask you now is the timeline. This is going to be very important with Israel and Iran. Does this, I mean, knowing the bloodbath that you just stated, the Iranian people are not stupid. They know the bloodbath is going to have to happen. They know the regime is they know they're horribly oppressive and they know they're going to, like you said, hang on to power and they don't care how many Iranians they kill. They have no quality of human life. These people don't care about human life that they, they just don't anywhere, period. Different than the way we think in the West where we value human life. These people have no value on it whatsoever. So what when does this happen in the timeline? Because we have a ticking clock over here with this confrontation. I mean, I, you're not hearing too much about the Iranian people right now with what's going on. So does that happen before, after, during the impact? Because we're talking millions of people being killed here as well, potentially with a nuclear attack. What's the timeline look like here? If and when Israel attacks and destroys the power of the Ayatollahs, the regime will be overthrown by the people because their power rests with the military. So when Israel, if Israel is able to degrade the military to an incredible degree, and they have to, the people will rise up. So the people would rise right then, you're saying, the uprising of the Iranian people. Now, a lot of them would be killed in the aftermath of what would happen here. But you think enough of them would rise up because of the downsizing of the military and take the country back? That's my opinion. Obviously. Or what is left of the country, we should say, huh? No, 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 no. There will not be so much destruction, for God's sake. Oh. It's not a nuclear war like uh, uh, Nagasaki in Hiroshima. Well, why, why isn't it a nuclear broken. war? Hold on. No, 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 I don't agree. If, if Israel, do, I mean, if Iran uses the nuclear missile weapon, what have you, Israel is going to use it. it back, and then you've got yeah, a but, nuclear attack. Tell me. Yeah, but as I said to you, they're not going to have it. 
Israel will attack them before they have a nuclear weapon. That's simple. I see. Oh, so, well, that's interesting now. So if they do that within the next... Tomorrow, don't forget. So in the next couple of months of Israel... Now, and let me ask you this last... With the current power in uh, head in Israel, would would they uh, have the capacity to do this, pull it off? I mean, again, we said Netanyahu's not there anymore. Would they be able to do it? Don't forget, the government has nothing to do with it. It's the military. There you go. The military have been dealing with this and preparing for this for decades. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they will succeed. Wow. And I have absolutely no doubt that they will succeed simply because it's a matter of existation, existence. If they don't succeed, they are, they are destroyed. It's that yeah. simple, not complicated. Yeah. Wow. This is a, like an incredible talk, IQ. You, I mean, this is really, I mean, it's, it's, it's significant what we just laid out here with everybody. And again, a lot of this, you, you want to be educated on what we're talking about. First of all, go read that last article here. And I mean, Iran's Bruin volcano has world shattering implications, right? See, there's the title right there, plays to what he and I just talked about. But then go to on um, the nav bar at americaroutloud.com where it says our team. And go down and click IQ Al Rizzuli. It's up near the top of that on the drop down. And you you want an education about the things we're talking about. Well, you'll get it right there. His writings are incredible, as well as many of the talks we have with him. We're leaving the end of this talk right now, where, as you know already, there should be a part two on this thing. And I, I mean, I can see that right now as I wanted to talk more about Sharia and all of that. And But I think we've got a good point to pause it here right now. Uh, you know, the uprising, the attack, what happens, Israel, Iran, uh, fascinating. And the geopolitical realignment around the world of what takes place. And let's not forget, lastly, but mostly important, the Iranian people. Wow, wow, wow. And the part of the Christianity and uh, well, the realignment of all of that we're talking about. We're talking about game-changing Uh, moment here for sure this is significant so that's it that's the story here today my friends on the voice of a nation big thank you great uh, appreciation to iq al razuli and uh, you'll catch it all back there at americaroutloud.com and we'll see you on the flip side there my fellow americans remember it's time to get involved and get loud